On this fine Monday, we are not burnt out, are you? Today on Recur Now, from Profitwell's Boston HQ, it is December 2nd, I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. First up, your daily subscription digest. A few weeks back, we got physical, physically fit, that is, all through the power of subscription. Repetition is at home here, because what more is a gym membership than one of the first and most steadfast subscription models to grace this space? So we teamed up with Push Press Gym Management Software for a live webinar and to bring the fitness community together for discussing key growth metrics and benchmarks. We kept this specific discussion industry-based so that Q&A stayed tailored to what you care about most. Here's how it went down. You learned how to calculate the key metrics for your subscription fitness business. To fundamentally understand why knowing your numbers is so important. The data on which growth levers are the most impactful for your bottom line. And easy changes to boost revenue. As promised, we have your live training recording, slides, and resources in case you missed it. For access, email me at abby at recurnow.com and I will send them your way. And now Grace encourages better self-care for the makers. Burnout, a culture of never enough. On Buffer's open blog, founder and CEO Joel Gascoigne opens up about what it's like to be utterly burnt out and ultimately taking a six-week break because of it. Burnout is a fog. It's sleeping with your email alerts on, hearing the chime in the middle of the night. It's becoming blinded by the blue light and believing your body should somehow be operating on this level of heightened awareness. It's convincing yourself this is dedication. A few years ago, Business Insider published an article about depression in the startup community. According to it, 7% of the general population report suffering from depression, while 30% of founders report dealing with its effects, and more than 50% of those get to burnout. Last year, Forbes published an article on how we can stop burnout with facts like research suggesting 72% of entrepreneurs report mental health concerns, with founders being 30% more likely to experience depression than a member of the general public. In Joel's tale, he tells it like it is. The advice we needed to hear, his story, and how he'd do it differently. And reading his journal entries from a time of crisis is a sobering call to action. At one point, he shares his writing from a journal entry. I'm feeling this general dull sadness or struggle in me, he writes. And in another... Everything feels harder, and I'm generally feeling a cloud over me, more low in energy and more pessimistic than usual. In it, he also gets real on recharging, like sleeping in, watching YouTube, taking long walks, seeing a therapist, which shout out to Heat and Shaw for that recommendation. He then continues on with the biggest lessons in preventing burnout. But if you already feel you're on the path, read this for prevention or for taking action. The big wigs are people too, and Joel has some sweet other insight for those in the space, which we'll link to in your subscriber newsletter. So how does one prevent said burnout? When you're in the thick of it, you don't take the third-party approach. Your head's down, in the weeds, underwater. But here's why every founder should consider taking a sabbatical of sorts, as told by the journey of a founder himself. Reason number one, releasing yourself from those daily operations. Two, because you can. Third, rethinking what you actually want to do to clear your brain. Four, freeing up time to work on the company, big picture stuff. And finally, because life is too short to be worried about too many things, which may sound cliche, sure, but it's a cliche with truth behind it. And doesn't that all sound just lovely. Our founder Patrick has reminded us time and time again that the hustle isn't money for money's sake. It's not cash in cars. 
It's not superficial feelings of accomplishment. Hustle is a beacon to changing your own personal circumstances. And in this piece on Medium, you'll uncover a real world step-by-step -step on the reasoning of break from the hustle and how to actually implement it so you don't ever get a taste for burnout that cannot be reversed. We must remember that hustle is in the long game. So founders, CEOs, send me a note at abby at if you have thoughts you want shared on this one and you're not on sabbatical. Have you taken a sabbatical of sorts? Did it pay off? We know you have opinions. Let's hear them. And that's it for your subscription news. Up next, a subscription sapien who never stops protecting the hustle, Leela Srinivasan. Today's subscription sapien is Leela Srinivasan, CMO at SurveyMonkey, who powers the curious with survey tools and believes wholeheartedly that feedback is essential for growth. And you know our ProfitWell crew is preaching just the same. Today, Leela shows us why she's so hell-bent on feedback for marketing success and how starting her career in the shower cleaner business got her headed for greatness. Although she has since become a master product marketer, Leela's background actually begins in history and English at the University of Edinburgh, later jumping into sales. Her first job in the U.S. was a company called Clean Shower, where she briefly served as a receptionist and eventually moved on up to marketing. Her extensive resume is nothing to scoff at, as we'll hear here in this clip from the Marketing Trends podcast. I moved to the States, uh, gosh, about 22 years ago, straight out of college. Uh, my first job was actually a startup in, wait for it, Jacksonville, Florida. That was a thing. And um, I found myself wearing a bunch of hats in the 18 months I was there, including marketing and PR for a little bit. So I had a taste of it. Then I actually ended up moving into sales. I uh, went actually to a company that had been a vendor of mine, and I really liked the service. Did that for a while. Went to business school. Loved my marketing classes, but it almost seemed too obvious to go into marketing, I think, at that point. So I went to management consulting instead and spent uh, three years at Bain & Company. And it, actually, after that, so it was January 2010, I took my first step into what I considered to be marketing for real. Um, I ended up doing product marketing at LinkedIn. So it, I sort of took this very meandering path through a little bit of like vague marketing into sales, management consulting, and then found that a lot of the skills from, from business school and from management consulting were directly transferable into product marketing. And the rest, I guess, is history. Leela is now over at SurveyMonkey, acting as their first ever chief marketing officer. She has been there since April 2018 and is already making waves. Let's hear from Leela in this clip from the Marketing Trends podcast about what's going on over at SurveyMonkey since she stepped her foot through the door. As, as your career progresses, right, you index more and more on the people that you'll be working with. And um, I have to say that in all of my my conversations with uh, Xander, our CEO, with Tom, our president, with really the entire executive team and then uh, the folks on my team. I was just so impressed and really felt this connection to the, to the team. And so, so that's the first thing is just finding, finding a great team to, to be part of. And as part of that, I really admire the SurveyMonkey culture. So our mission as an organization is to power the curious, but we talk about SurveyMonkey as a place where the curious come to grow. I really uh, could not be more proud of the culture um, that has been built here over the years and the fact that we do really, I think, eat in our own restaurant and use our own tools to listen to feedback from employees uh, to continue evolving that, that culture and going from strength to strength. 
And you know our ears perk up when we hear the nod to feedback. ProfitWell is all about feedback as being non-negotiable, uses a tool to better our organization both internally and externally. Feedback is tricky though. It can feel inherently personal by nature, but Lila agrees that without it, you're setting yourself up to fail in some fundamental way. Lila knows the world is still rife with companies not listening to their key stakeholders, a huge missed opportunity for growth in all realms. If you open up a newspaper and look at what's going on in the world, you'll see it abundantly. And she attests to that here. It's your customers and your employees with their honest and explicit feedback that will ultimately shape your company's success. Listen to this clip from an interview we did with her in 2018. I think the response is you open the, if you, if you still read a newspaper, if you open Flipboard for the day and look at what's going on in the world, the world is just rife with examples of companies not listening to their key stakeholders. Mm. So whether it's, for example, I think United rolled out some crazy bonus scheme where it was like a lottery to get bonuses, mm. or whether it's you know some challenging ad that a company's run where it just it feels tone deaf, it falls really flat, and actually has the potential to backfire and cause negative sentiment toward that brand. Right? I mean the. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, you look at you know what's going on inside organizations where employees are not feeling heard and so are running their own surveys mm. to get that point across, right? It's, it's everywhere we look. And I think that sends a clear message to organizations that you have to be listening. You have to be thinking yeah. through the points of view that matter the most to you. And typically, as I said, it's customers, it's employees, yeah. it's two core cons- sets of constituents who's, who's, who are essential to the company's success. Right. And so if you're not listening to that feedback, then I think you run the risk of really um, committing a faux pas. And that can be internal and organizationally if you're not aware of how employees feel. And it can be externally and brand impacting if it's about uh, launching campaigns or doing something else where, you know, you're just getting the wrong kind of attention, basically. If you enjoyed this snippet into the subscription Sapien, share it with hashtag RecurNow and make sure you're subscribed to RecurNow to receive them straight to your inbox. And finally, a teaser for our series, Protect the Hustle. For ProfitWell Recur, it's Protect the Hustle, a show about those who are in the trenches actually doing the work. What is hustle? The word hustle dates back to the 1680s from the Dutch word huslen, which means to shake or to toss. The very core of the word is around shaking up and pushing forward, which is why plenty of the dictionary definitions have some derivation of movement or energy. As Queen Miriam Webster quips, hustle is to obtain by energetic activity. The core of hustle was around changing your environment and shaking things up to produce large scale action. Sometimes that was very positive, pulling yourself up from your bootstraps or running that extra sprint in practice. But other times it was more negative, pool hall hustling or slinging rock. Hustle was initiative and not accepting your circumstances and doing everything in your power to change. Hip hop embraced this throughout the 90s and the aughts because a lot of circumstances in black communities need to be shaken up to push out of poverty by any means necessary. The negative externality of that, though, was because of circumstances. A lot of times this meant selling drugs or doing illegal activities because there just wasn't another option. But it's important to remember that hustle wasn't negative. It wasn't bad intent. Hustle was that movement of changing circumstance and environment to get to the point where you could go legit. 
Even in Jay-Z's 90s classics Can't Knock the Hustle and Rap Game, Crack Game, hustle was the means of taking on challenges to garner wealth and actually hustle out of the illegal means into the legal ones. Johnny and Jane's startups embraced this concept of hustle because it meant shoe leather and elbow grease, getting there before anyone else did and going that extra mile to get the deal done. But then hustle changed. Hustle became more gratuitous. In the late aughts, songs like Rick Ross's Hustlin' started to stop talking about the velocity of hustle and just the movement of cash from one place to another. Now it was money for money's sake, not to move out of circumstance, but for cash and cars and just more cash and more cars. Startups started latching onto this word as the gratuitous image of crushing it and tweeting out unnecessary vocalizations of superficial feelings of accomplishment. Hustle lost its edge. The context changed completely and hustle became negative because we associated it with not great things and not great people. But the thing is though, hustle still means hustle. Hustle is a beacon to changing your own personal circumstances and destroying the demons that haunt you and try to prevent you from doing that one extra call, that one extra rep, or whatever it takes. Those who protect the hustle define hustle, and that's what we're all about at ProfitWell, keeping that velocity to rage against the dying of things that we find important. And to do our part to the greater hustle community, we're bringing you season two of Protect the Hustle. Stories in the trenches from the people doing the actual work and protecting everything that hustle stands for. So sign up at protectthehustle.com and sit back, relax, and take notes. And we're wrapped on your December 2nd episode of Recur Now. Welcome back to more pre-holiday madness. No pressure though, we're here for you with rundowns and resources every single day. 